Hello everyone! Welcome back to the Constructional Approach to Animal Welfare and Training Podcast. We are your host, I am Masa. Hi everybody, and I'm Sean. We hope that you are cuddle up with your animal companions and ready for this exciting episode. Before we begin, we have an announcement. This July, from July 14th to 18th, we will be hosting the second annual Cow Conference. This is a five day international conference with Dr. Jesus Rosales Ruiz and Dr. TV Joe Lane as keynote speakers. We will explore how to solve behavioral challenges like aggression, fear, hyperactive behaviors, and separation anxiety through the constructional approach with all the attendees. Dr. Rosales Ruiz will be presenting the latest procedure of constructional aggression treatment that consists of just eight steps. And Dr. TV Jolaine will be presenting how we can make sure our interaction and training are genuinely positive and leading to better animal welfare. We appreciate all the individuals working at animal shelters, animal hospitals, and zoos for their dedicated and continuous care for their animals. So we offer 50% off of the conference registration and video on demand for them. We also want to extend this offer to current students. So please check out the website cout.com, C A A W T.com forward slash 2021 conference to get this offer, learn more about the conference, and to register for the conference. And if you cannot attend the conference due to the time difference or your schedule, we have video on demand options where you can enjoy all the presentation for three months so you will not miss the amazing presentations at the conference. We will love to see all of you at the conference and explore this topic that is related to animal welfare and training together. In today's episode, we will be talking about contingency. Yeah, this is going to kind of be like a like an episode on terms a little bit. We mm-hmm. could kind of think about it. Um and, you know, this this came about from, you know, an interesting or kind of fun situation, really. And uh, for those of you guys out there that, that don't know yet, uh, Masa and I have been doing remote group classes and remote private lessons for people for quite a while now. And um, in our group class, we, we had this great conversation. And the, the question came up about contingencies. Right. Yeah. What is contingency? Yeah, exactly. And, and they not only wanted to know about what a contingency is, but they were also really curious about how contingencies are interacting. Mm -hmm. Because as we know from Gold Diamond's literature, it's contingencies. Yeah, it's it's the plural. Exactly. Never just a contingency that is operating behavior. It's the contingencies. And and so from that conversation, you know, it it just kind of came up as an idea for us to do this as, as, as our show. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, one of the folks in our group class was, just so happens to also be one of our Patreon Patreons. subscribers. <laughs> and so when they asked, hey, could you go ahead and do the episode on this? We thought, definitely we have to do it. Yep. And so you know who you are out there. And this <laughs> one's you. for you. Yeah, <laughs> this is one for you. <laughs> and so now is the perfect time, you know, for a shameless plug for our group classes and private lessons. 
And so for any of you guys out there that maybe didn't know that we were doing these, um, we are, and they've been a lot of fun. We, we actually have yeah. people come to these group classes and we help teach them how to identify contingencies and build their own constructional programs to achieve their own desired goals that they have with their animal companions or for some of them with the clients that they're working with outside of um, our group classes. So if you guys out there are interested, um, please go to our website. We'll put a link in the description. Yep, we will. And, um, you know, go check out, you know, what our classes look like, what we have in them, and feel free to send us a message or register. And, you know, we look forward to welcoming you into one of our classes. But um, with that, let's go ahead and jump into our topic today. And um, that's contingencies. And, you know, maybe before we exactly explain what a contingency is specifically, Maybe for some of the folks out there that are a little bit newer to this topic, um, Masa, why don't you maybe share with them why knowing about contingencies is something that's important to you? Yeah, that's a good question. So by knowing contingencies, we know why we do or why our animal companions do what we do. So we know why we do certain behavior other than others. And knowing that... We know why, what they are after, what they want, what they need. So having that information and then training a desirable behavior to give them what they want, we are improving their animal welfare. We're improving our relationship with them. Yeah. And that reminds me a lot of, you know, this thing that we talk about on the show a lot and, um, and Dr. Joe Lang talks about it a whole (laughs) lot too, is um, degrees of freedom. And degrees of freedom are really just, it's about having multiple ways, multiple opportunities to get access to reinforcers that you desire. Right. And when we have really restricted degrees of freedom, sometimes it can actually be coercive. Right. You know, to have us do something like if I really love steak and the only way for me to get steak is to, you know, go outside and dig a hole in the ground, Mm -hmm. you know, then I'm going to go out there and I'm going to dig that hole to get that steak and- Although it's a positive reinforcement situation, I'm actually being kind of coerced into doing this work because... You have only that behavior to get the stake. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I love that. That's a really awesome angle on contingencies and why they're important. And, you know, it also seems like there's another layer of importance in building, you know, functional programs, um, Mm. programs that really get to the root of why the behavior is occurring in the first place. And what we really get a lot of in animal training and also sometimes in behavior analysis is where we just look at parts of that contingency. And so typically what we have is, you know, we we have like this linear view of contingencies where it's just this one contingency that is controlling behavior. That's kind of how it's initially taught to most people in school too, that you have the three-term contingency, antecedent, Mm -hmm. which is the situation and then the behavior and the consequence. But oftentimes, what we see is programs that are only focused on half of it, just the situation and the behavior, or just the behavior and the consequence. And what that looks like, like in animal training, oftentimes we have like a dog that's maybe reactive to other dogs, a dog that's being aggressive. And what they will just look at is the antecedent and the behavior that's happening. They're going to look at just that situation in the behavior, meaning they're just going to see that when they have their dog on leash and another dog approaches, the reactivity happens. 
and they're going to try and break that. And the way that they try and break that is giving the dog lots of food when the other dog approaches and they keep, you know, hope that, you know, that what happens is a positive association is formed between the approaching dogs and receiving food. But that's not really a good functional treatment because it's only looking at part of the contingency and not even looking to examine what are the consequences involved yeah. for engaging in that behavior. Right, right. The consequence of the aggressive behavior of lunging when the dog sees other dog is by doing barking and lunging to drive that dog away. Exactly. So that's the part, the procedure that you just described is missing. That's right. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, like having a good understanding of contingencies can help us to make better programs so that we don't find ourselves just getting stuck on one piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. To understand any given behavior, we really need to look at everything, the right. situations that they occur in, what exactly the behavior is, and then also the consequences that follow it. And then the interesting thing here to layer on top of this is that once when we have a good understanding of what a contingency is, we, we start to understand that the contingency yeah. isn't what's maintaining behavior. This is our big gold diamond quote that we love. Right. It's contingencies. Right, exactly. That are maintaining behavior. Exactly. <laughs> and and so before we hop into contingencies, let's take a step back and let's just talk for a moment about what a contingency is. So a contingency, simply put, it is if then relation between behavior and its environment. It will be when there's a situation, if behavior occurs, then there's a consequence. And the key, the critical piece of information about contingency is that consequence occurs only if both situation and behavior occur. Okay. So real quick for an example of that. Mm -hmm. So for our contingency that you just listed let's use the example of a dog that's been given the cue to sit yeah so our our win is this cue you know fuzzy sit yeah that's and a then, cue. <laughs> so that's our, our our antecedent or situation and then our behavior let's say fuzzy sits yep and our consequence you know let's say we we give them a scratch on the head and a snack yeah yeah that that is the there's a situation and there's a behavior and there's a consequence okay and for that to be effective though what else would a learner or organism or a dog animal what would what would they have to experience what else also has to be present for that to be effective yeah so for example when there is no situation when there is no cue and the dog does not do behavior the dog does not sit the consequence of that a little affection and food should not provide it to the dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And another one is like, if there's a situation, if there's a cue of sit, but if the dog does not sit, the consequence should not be provided to the dog. Another one is, if there is no situation, if the cue of sit is not provided to the dog, but the dog sit, the consequence should not be provided to the dog. Right? That's right. I yeah. like that. So that's really interesting. That's a that's really interesting how you how you can perceive now how the inner exchange between these things is what makes that contingency effective. Right. But here is a kicker. Mm. There's another relation here. If there is a situation, if there's a cue of sit 
and there's a behavior, a dog sits. The consequence can be not provided to the dog every time the dog sits right. under this specific cue. And this relation is considering the schedules of reinforcement. Cool. So, so this is kind of getting at that point that, you know, not every single time right. that we actually tell peepers or chew to sit, do we actually go over to them, oh, hey, baby, that was a good job, or yeah. give them a biscuit or something. Right. But they still do it. Right. And so you're, you're throwing out that it's actually because of the schedule, the way that that reinforcer gets delivered. And so it's a kind of interesting way how it's, in this case, not the consequence. That's right. That's Joe's quote. Right? That's right. Yeah, the Joe says that to change behavior, we need to change the contingency. The consequence is maintaining the behavior throughout the program, but it's the contingencies that's changing the behavior. That's right. Yeah. Once again, contingencies. Right, plural. Yeah, you got to love some gold diamond. Yes. And you know, and this actually also gives us our perfect segue back to contingencies. And, uh, you know, before we start talking about how that dance looks, how contingencies are what's kind of rolling together to kind of create this behavior that we see in the moment, um, I think it might be useful to take a step back and talk about the two different types of analysis that we have to look at contingencies. And that is the linear analysis, and we also have the nonlinear analysis. And so let's go ahead and take a moment. And, and Masa, why don't you lead us through talking about what a linear analysis is? Yeah. The linear analysis is we are looking at that situation before the behaviors and the behavior and the consequence. So that three-term contingency. Right, right. Yeah, that standard three-term contingency. And so that might be, you know, just for a quick example again, let's use for this little segment a hyperactive dog. Yeah, the dog is jumping on you, scratching on you, mouthing on you. Yeah, and yeah. so there the situation, presence of human right? behavior, jumping and scratching, and consequence, lots of interaction. Right, right. Okay, and, and so stemming off of that, let's go ahead and now talk quickly about what a nonlinear analysis looks like. What's, what is that? In nonlinear analysis, we are not only looking at that three-term contingency, situation, behavior, and consequence, but we are also looking at other behaviors that the animal can do and that consequence, and also cost and ben benefit of each of that. Okay. And so coming back to our hyperactive doggy situation, um, the linear analysis would you know, look at that situation and say, okay, there's a person there, the dog is jumping, this is the consequence for it, and that would be the, the beginning and end of the analysis. Right. In a nonlinear analysis, what we would want to do is we look at that same three-term contingency that we're looking at, humans there, dogs jumping and going bananas, consequence getting a lot of contact and interaction with humans, but we would also look at the costs and benefits, what are the consequences for any of the other behaviors that the dog might be able to do in that situation. Right. So we would want to look at when the human's present and they sit, what consequence happens. Right. What about when the dog stays in its bed and someone comes in, what happens? Mm -hmm. What about if they go sit on the mat where they were trained? Right. You know, right. what happens? And so when we look at that kind of a situation a little bit bigger, we can start to understand why actually that hyperactive behavior is happening. Right. Because we might look 
and we'll see, oh, holy cow. When the dog is sitting, you know, the human just lets in his friend and greets him in the doorway and they go sit down and play video games and the dog is left alone. Right. <laughs> or or maybe when they're sleeping in their bed, you know, he just lets in his friends and they kind of stay a little bit quieter because mm-hmm. they don't want to wake up the dog and the dog is being left alone. Right. And so we can see through examining that, that for the dog in that situation that we're giving in this hypothetical example that the reason why that hyperactive behavior is potentiated is because it's the only option that he has or they have to be able to get that interaction that they want in the moment. Effectively. Immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Because every time the dog does that, yeah, it's a great point. Yeah. Every time that they jump on you, they're going to be getting interaction. Even if you push them down or tell them no, they're actually still being interacted with. Right. And so it's guaranteed to where in these other ones, when they're sitting and laying down, at least in our examples, more often than not, they're not getting it. Or right. maybe it's just less frequently than they actually get that reward for jumping and being, you know, hyperactive. Right. And so that's a really cool thing to start looking at because now that gives us different ways to looking at making solutions to right. these to these problems. Right. So by looking at behavior in this bigger scope, non-linearly, we can really make sense of why the animals is doing hyperactive in the Sean's hypothetical example. <laughs> why the animal is doing, we can make sense of why they do. And it is actually a rational behavior. It's not irrational out of nowhere. It's actually rational behavior. They are sensitive to the contingencies. Rational meaning that it's the most effective behavior that they have at their disposal to get access to this consequence that's really important to right, them. Right, right. Yeah. And so the dog really wants attention in that example that we were just talking. And so going bananas just happened to be the most efficient method that they knew Mm -hmm. to get access to that thing. Right, right. So it is rational behavior and should also be very flattering for the human, I think, that anything loves them enough to go that bananas over their affection. Yeah, (laughs) that's a good point. Yeah. So I'm sorry, I took us off track. Yeah. Yeah. And there's (laughs) more benefits. So you can start looking at their degrees of freedom. At, at this moment. And by looking at it, you can make sure that your training, the procedure that you're using in the training is the one that's enjoyable for the dog and opening their degrees of freedom. Yeah. You know, that point right there, I, I actually feel like needs to be, you know, a new paradigm in yeah. animal training. I really think that that needs to be our guiding question when we're selecting procedures to use right. with our animal companions. Yeah. We should really kind of step back from the situation and look at the contingencies that are on our animals that we're looking to work with and making sure that whatever we pick out of our bag to use, that it's opening up opportunities for our an- or for these animals in our care to get access to things that they desire and that are important to them yeah Mm. so for example with your the example that you gave with the hyperactive behavior Mm -hmm. so through nonlinear analysis we know that oh the dog jumping is the only one that gets people to interact with the dog immediately so that's the really effective behavior Mm -hmm. and the other options the other behavior that the animal can engage in for example sitting laying on the mat those are not getting those people's human interaction. So by opening up degrees of freedom, we will make sure that when the dog is doing those other behavior, we are giving those interaction that they really want. 
Yeah. So now instead of maybe going bananas and right. you know being you know, hyperactive, now maybe they'll learn that sitting gets that affection. Laying on the couch gets that affection. Right. Sitting in their bed, laying down in the doorway, you know, all these other you can add a whole class, right? You know, of behaviors that we could deem acceptable and make sure that are meeting that same right. consequence that the hyperactive behavior once did, maybe even in a higher magnitude. Right. Yeah. So, so from one behavior to get only get the human interaction, they may have like more than 10 behaviors to get human interaction. Exactly. The, and then also more qualified, quality one, yeah, high quality interaction. And to me, that also gets to control. That's one thing that Dr. Rosales Ruiz, when we were his students, he, he always talked about that, you know, giving the organisms control over mm-hmm. their environment. And that really teaches them really basically how to like turn on the human magnet and bring these humans close when they want them. Yeah. And, you know, piggybacking off of another person that's really big in animal training, that's actually something that Susan Friedman talks about all the time. And she talks about control being a primary, you know, a a very needed essential, you know. I agree. Exactly. And so this is actually a way to give them that and the best way possible and in the largest magnitude and that's through a degrees of freedom analysis right to give them control to get their access to the things that they want but you know one thing that you know you and I also talk about and I think it also comes out of this is I think a nonlinear analysis really gives us an effective way to evaluate how enjoyable yeah our training point. is good point right and you know I apologize to all you guys that I've been in our group classes. You're going to hear the same example now probably <laughs> for like probably the fifth time. <laughs> but, but Ken Ramirez, um, he, he, he gives really cool presentations. And he used to give some of my favorite ones at the Art and Science of Animal Training Conference that, that ORCA at the University of North Texas puts on every year. And um, this one year he was showing this uh, training that before he was, the I think he's like the CEO or the head or you know, some really big title right now for, for um, Karen okay, Pryor's so. Clicker yeah. Academy. Um, but he, for like decades before that, he was the head trainer at the Shed Aquarium in Chicago. And so he used to always show up at the conference with the coolest, you know, marine training out there that, you know, you've ever seen. Some amazing stuff. But in this one cool video, let me get back on topic. <laughs> in this video, he's got like a beluga whales and dolphins and, you know, different critters coming up and working with him at this, you know, the edge of the pool there. And so the, the dolphins or the whales are coming up and Ken's doing a clicker training routine with them, teaching them different tricks, not tricks, but like, I think he was actually teaching them to target something for, I can't remember what the purpose was, but he was doing actual work with them. Wasn't doing tricks. (laughs) Um, So he's working with his dolphins and his whales. But the interesting thing is that they can come here and they can work with Ken and learn whatever puzzle he's trying to teach them. Or they can go over here to the to the whale and dolphin buffet, and they can get that same tasty fish that Ken's giving them for the work over here for free. They can just literally go over to where this ball is and touch the ball, and then fish, just you, here you go. Right. They just get them for free. And that's mind-blowing, especially for me at the time. Like, I was sitting there thinking, no, if you give them – the, the fish for free right next to you over here, like three feet away, there's no way that they're going to work with you. That's going to kill the value of your reinforcer. And that's because I was kind of stuck on the idea 
that the critters are going to work with you because of the reinforcer that you have. But that turns out not to be the case. That wasn't what Ken's video here showed. What he actually showed is that the dolphins, sometimes they would go to the buffet, but sometimes they didn't. And what ended up coming out of this was a pattern. The whales and the dolphins, they ended up preferring the trainers like Ken that were really sharp and good with their mechanics and had really clean cues. They would stay and they would work and get the fish from those trainers. But the, you know, the trainers that still needed some help, the trainers that were not very good with their skills, maybe still needed training themselves, those fellas, the, you know, the dolphins and whales, they were, see you later. (laughs) I'll see you at the buffet. (laughs) (laughs) And they would go over there and eat. And so that was actually a beautiful way where Ken had arranged for a degree of freedom for those whales and dolphins. They had... They had, you know, they could come work with Ken. And if that was the only way they had to get that fish, that's actually zero degrees of freedom. Right. That's kind of a forced option there. If you want the fish, you got to come do the work. But he opened it up and gave them a degree of freedom by allowing them to just go over to this other spot and get it for free. And so at that point, the decision to come to Ken or not is actually reflective of how reinforcing the procedure is that Ken was providing, the actual training experience. And that's kind of the amazing thing to me. And, you know, I used to be a school teacher and, and that was always something that, that was like really apparent to me, like the, the kids that did really good in the class and were getting a lot of reinforcement from the teacher and a lot of reinforcement from the work because they were good at it. They loved it. You didn't need to pay them off or get them on a token economy in the classroom or have mom pay you $10 an A, you know, on your report card for the class or whatever. Those kids do it because they like being there. They like solving that math. They like solving that science. And so it's more about trying to figure out for our animals by giving them this degree of freedom, how much they actually like our process, which is actually directly informing how good we've designed our process. That's right. And so this is a cool thing when you open up that degree of freedom and so this is something that like we've been actually teaching peepers, um, peepers for those of you guys that, that don't know, he, he's getting older and, and he's showing some problems in his front shoulders. Like you can see it when he's going downstairs or when he's coming down off the couch, when his front paws hit the ground, you can see he's, he's wincing when that pain, it's in his shoulders, but then also he's getting a little bit of a bad back in his lower back. And you know, when we touch it, sometimes you'll see him flinch. And so he's, He's on some medications to help with that, but um, we've, we've gotten, you know, ramps to teach peepers to go up those ramps to get on the couch, get on the bed and stuff like that. And, you know, when we're doing this training, we're actually doing our clicker training with our food and I've got my treat pouch and I've been shaping up this process. But we also have his food bowl right around the corner that has those same treats in it. And so we'll know quickly if my process, if my process sucks <laughs> and it's not well done and, and my mechanics are horrible and I'm just the worst trainer of all time, Peepers is going to tell me and he's going to go eat that food. And that's going to tell me that I need to maybe go back and work my mechanics that's a little right. bit. Maybe I'll torture Masa with the procedure and see if I can train her to do something with my clicker at that point to make sure that my mechanics are still good. Yeah. Um, but Point being is that it's it's a great line of communication. Right. 
just having one opening one degrees of freedom, we can start asking our animal to give us clear feedback how our how how well we are setting contingencies. That's right. Yeah, and and we want to be clear too that that to do that, it's not that we want to have multiple reinforcers available from us. They can get the reinforcer from us, or they can get that same reinforcer for free somewhere else. Right. Is really what we want to. Do to get that good question and answering that good communication with our animal companions that, hey, your training's awesome. You're a good teacher. Right. I like this program. Right. Yep. And, you know, just to now kind of sum up everything in a nice, neat little package is, you know, I think that what we've learned through talking you know, talking through kind of talk aloud problem solving here, kind of tapsing there through, you go. <laughs> <laughs> tapsing through what contingencies are. Um, I think we can conclude that they're important because they allow us to make more humane, more ethical training decisions regarding our animals. When we can identify the contingency, we can really make ourselves more sensitive to the needs and desires of our animal companions and make sure that we're giving them more options and ways to get to those things. And so when we have this knowledge and we're making these programs, it actually improves their quality of life and it just makes us more ethical, more humane, and more efficient trainers in general. And so, you know, I, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and, um, and, and please join us on our Patreon page where you'll actually find a little bonus segment on this episode and on contingencies. This marks the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode on contingencies. Before we leave, we want to give credit to Dr. TV Joe Lane for his amazing contributions to the science of behavior and giving us the template to talk about this information. And by the way, if you want to learn more about contingencies, you can pre-order his upcoming book titled Nonlinear Contingency Analysis Going Beyond Cognition and Behavior in Clinical Practice. We will put the link to pre-order this book in the description below. Lastly, please visit our website, cal.com forward slash 2021 conference to learn more about the conference program and to register. I want to emphasize that constructional approach to animal welfare and training is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and all profits from this conference will be used to fund free programs to support shelters across the country. So let's explore the construction approach together and help the animals in shelters. We look forward to seeing all of you at the conference. If you like our show, please subscribe to our podcast or share it with your friend. And feel free to get more information or reach out to us on our website, cal.com, or our Facebook page, or Instagram, or always you can email us at caawtcontact at gmail.com. Thank you so much today. We are your host. I am Masa. And I am Sean. Have a wonderful day with your amazing animal companions.